To support this podcast, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Once again, positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Thank you and enjoy the program. This episode is also brought to you by pbandjoey.com. Simple, honest, and delicious. Go to pbandjoey.com for the all-new dark roast coffee. That's pbandjoey.com for more information. pbandjoey.com. Hey, folks, open an account today with Weeble, and with just a $100 deposit, you'll get four free stocks. And if you refer a friend, you'll get two more. Such a simple way to start a portfolio with the power of a desktop, tablet, or cell phone. With Weeble, you'll get zero commission fees, access to pre-market trading, and in-depth analytical tools for more advanced users. If you want to support this program, go to positivesarcasm.com, click on the Weeble banner in the contact section. That way, I'll get free stocks, and you'll get free stocks. Now, that's something most of us can agree on. Terms and conditions do apply. See Weeble.com for more information. Thank you to Weeble, and please trade responsibly. So they're generally hitting the Moscato too because they need something sweet in their lives because their husband is sour. That ring on your finger? Some pygmy died digging that out of a hole for you to say I do and ruin some guys like yeah. Look at that dude. He's got a hernia shaped like a bag of pretzels that he just. You're going to Thailand. You're going to smash some dude. Going over there for guy time, but it's not with his buddies. What does it say on the bottle? Well, if it says that on the bottle, why did you put it on your head? All these actors did was shut their mouths because they didn't want to be run out of Hollywood. Now a bad batch of Chinese food has you blowing insurance premiums on vitamin f***ing D. Too much. <laughs> That's who we're I'm going like for Bill Really, John? Really? really? We can't do this anymore, auntie. I'll see you at the bar mitzvah. It's almost like it never existed, but it fucking did. So do me a favor. Go f*** yourself! Jay here, PositiveSarcasm.com, recorded here from the sandbox. Like, subscribe, share, donate, PositiveSarcasm.com, slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Uh, if you want to find me on social media, you can find me on Facebook.com, slash POS Sarcasm, Facebook.com, slash Positive Sarcasm, and, of course, Instagram, at uh, Positive underscore Sarcasm, or you can find me on Gab, at Positive Sarcasm. TikTok, uh, I pretty much decided we're going to head for divorce court. And I think by the end of next week, we're going to close up shop on TikTok. It is, uh, I don't believe that it is a, um, well, don't get me wrong. I might be a hypocrite by being on Facebook and on Instagram. But as far as TikTok concerned, uh, I definitely feel like I'm putting my information in the wrongest of hands. So I will be, I'll be closing up shop with, with, with uh, that platform. Um, plus, they're the first ones to really try and censor uh, my, my content, whatever it is. And I don't want to have to go down that path where I'm thinking about whether or not I can post something. I've never really had that style. I normally just post and ghost and I don't give a shit what people think or say, uh, to begin with. So, but TikTok actually really did. Um, I was posting some, some news, not really news stuff, but well, I, I was, I was doing the news, the, those quickie news things. They started bleeping those out and, um, I was like, uh, okay. So I stopped posting for a while. I've been kind of off social media for the most part. I do have some new stuff up. I, I got back from Fort Lauderdale. I posted the video about that on my original channel. You can go to Positive Sarcasm on YouTube and check out my time in Fort Lauderdale. It's about six and a half minutes long. I really enjoyed my time there. Um, but as far as TikTok goes, I just I, besides that posting about um, my time in Florida, most of it I've just been focusing on podcast and of course the music reaction channel which i need to spend some time uh later this week uh doing more of because uh people seem to be reacting to it really really well and um you know it's it's something for me it's something very simple that i really enjoy doing and uh, people seem to be reacting to it which is always a bonus and the comments are coming in which is great um whether they're good or bad i gen to i tend to generally react to them the same way I would react to them on any channel for anything. And it's just adding to my repertoire of content, which is cool. So I'm glad that I was able to post on my original channel. I'm glad that I'm continuing to post on my podcast channel. And I'm glad that I'm able to contribute in a music way. Because uh, this website started about editing music for, for fitness competitors. And then it turned into a small podcast about movies. And then it kind of stretched out from audio editing and movies to 
all kinds of other content. Then it became a life project. And from there, it just spread into all different kinds of categories. But it's hard to keep track of. It's hard to keep up with. And it's hard to create consistent content on on a day-to-day basis. And at the same time, when you're trying to be creative and get your message out there and basically post whatever you feel is necessary, but you're getting, you know, because it's not all about money. It's about me having my voice out there and creating my project, my platform, my project with my rules. I don't want anybody telling me I can't post something like that. Whatever it is, I don't care. So I'm just going to tell that to kick rocks. And and you know what? I'll just go do I'll go use other platforms. Like for example, YouTube, it's not just the only place I post uh, the podcast on now. I, I also post on Facebook just in case. And of course, I just started posting on Rumble recently too. You can go check me out on Rumble if you're more into that type of where you go to get your your stuff per se. So I am branching out. It's not easy because it's like All right. Well, I'm posting my um you know, as soon as I'm done recording something, now I got to blast it to these all myself to these three different platforms and then maybe more in the future, who knows. And I have to keep track of all this stuff and make ter- make sure the uh the the sites are up to date. So that's just my thinking of what I have time for, what makes sense to me, and what benefits me the most. So that's just kind of my thoughts on it right now. I have other thoughts, but it's all it's all regarding my phone has been blinking. Um, oh, before we get to you know the uh, the elephants in the room, uh, I just want to say thank you to the guys uh, from P and K Movie Podcast for having me on. I um, Brand new podcast my, uh, for my buddy Turcott about uh, movie reviews. And basically they decided to have me on for a podcast just to try something different. And uh, I'm flattered that they had me on. Um, I wish them all the best with um, this new venture. And I, I hope it I hope it picks up and, uh, you know, goes from there. So um, if you want to go ahead and check them out, go ahead and check out uh, Pizza and Ketchup. on um, there, I believe they're available everywhere. I just call it P&K. Just keep it short. Keep it spicy. Um, but yeah, I appreciate them having me on and, um, yeah, go check them out. If you're into like movie, movie podcasts and stuff, I, I think that's a really good vent. I think it's a really good venue because, you know, I, it's, it's hard to like rotten tomatoes. I don't know if you're necessarily getting, uh, like an un, like, I think they kind of just, they go one way, they lean one way. I think it's good to like have a bunch of different people like, you know, batting a, a movie around. And getting different takes on it because everybody has different tastes and everybody has different lifestyles and different things that they want out of a movie. So I think it's really cool. Like I have expectations or I have like, for example, if you like music, um, I have different choices in music. But when it comes to movies, I have different choices in movies. But I see all kinds of movies. I mean, there are some that I just don't waste my time with, but I have different likes and wants and needs out of a movie. And I react emotionally different to a movie than somebody else does. But that's the cool thing about, you know, having a podcast like that is you can bat around this movie. You guys can agree about a movie that you want to see, watch it, and then debate about it afterwards. It's brilliant. It's perfect. So if they do it right, I think they'll do really well. So I just want to say thank you for having me on and uh, continue forward with what you're doing. Um, I also mentioned that – I didn't mention that before I went to Florida, I I went to – um, my executive, my associate producer's birthday party. And, um, man, he was faded, faded, like a 1930s phone book. I mean, faded. Um, I don't think he talked like the entire time he was there, but he was smiling. So, um, I'm pretty sure he was happy or he had a stroke, but, um, I don't understand hibachi. Like I had, like I get it. You go there, they light the thingy on fire, and it's like a dinner with a show all together in one. But it just kind of reminds me of like when your parents tell you as a kid not to play with your food, but now as an adult, we pay people to throw food in the air like a cat playing with a mouse before they tear it in half. So isn't that kind of the same thing? You're basically now watching adults play with their food or another adult play with your food. It's basically the same thing. It's it's there's a connection there. I don't understand it. And I think for the price now, 
you are paying to go there to eat, but you're also paying for a show. But it's it's like, wait a minute, I'm hungry. I can go see a movie after. So if I'm paying extra to have you throw my shrimp in the air or throw my steak in the air, it's like, wait a minute, hold on. Instead of like throwing my, my expensive piece of shrimp in the air, why don't you just give me two shrimp? Instead of like throwing my piece of sirloin in the air, why don't you give me two cuts of sirloin? You know? Why don't you just give me more food? Uh, Is my life that boring that I have to have the chef entertain me at the same time? Can't you be entertained by the people you go with without having to pick up your phone? Isn't that the whole point? Now, when I go to a place like like, like Hibachi, to me, it's kind of uncomfortable. I appreciate the, the, I guess, the art of being able to do Hibachi. But I could do without it, too. And another issue that I take Another thing that I take issue with is people saying, oh, it's their birthday. That's when I check out. To me, that's like beyond Ben Stiller movies, with the exception of Tropic Thunder, and karaoke. The it's his birthday moment is the most uncomfortable, awkward, uh, uh, sweaty moment for me when that happens. Especially in an abachi restaurant because they show up with a gong. An actual gong. Which some people would probably think is racist, but I mean, humorous in its own right because I get to talk about it. But at the same time, extremely uncomfortable. In any capacity. Whether you're going to Applebee's to get microwave fettuccine Alfredo or you're going to the gong show at a Japanese abachi. To me, it's uncomfortable. I don't like that a type of attention on me. I would rather say something quite possibly racist on a podcast than having somebody tell me it's my birthday in a Japanese restaurant and having people bang all kinds of instruments around me or going to a themed restaurant where they sing happy, happy, happy and I'm sweating and I'm seething and I'm loathing the person that opened their goddamn mouth to point out the fact that I was born on a certain day and now I get a free piece of cheap cake. It's, ugh. And I've stated this multiple times in places. You do not under any circumstances. This is why I don't let people take me out on my birthday. It's another reason why I don't mention my birthday because I don't want anybody to make it. I don't want, I don't. The fact is, is I don't want you celebrating me. Don't celebrate me. Please, for the love of God, I do not matter. So this is why I don't mention it. I said to – and this is – this sounds like, a, psych, like a, uh, a psychotic thing to say to a woman. But I said to my girlfriend in college, is, I swear to God, if you say to the server that it's my birthday, I will fucking dump you. Now, that's a startling thing to say. I didn't say I was going to hit them. I didn't say I was going to flatten their tires. I simply said, if you embarrass me in that capacity with something that I'm uncomfortable with, I will leave you because you're not listening. Isn't that a woman's complaint about everything is that guys don't listen? Well, you need to listen to me. I swear to God, if that waitress who gets who gets tipped 18% on a daily basis finds out that my birthday is so-and-so and right now, and she comes over with that piece of cake that I didn't ask for because I'm trying to watch my weight, Game over. Game over. Get swiping because I'm out, sister. So these are things that make me incredibly uncomfortable. And it's still uncomfortable for me even if it's not my birthday. Really, for sure. So as I stated, just being there watching the scenario play out is extremely troubling for me. Like, so I, they're saying that, and I'm, I, my head's down. I, I, I'm against, first of all, I'm against pulling out your cell phone when you're at a restaurant with people, but in a moment where a gong is being blasted and your left eardrum, as they come around to sing happy birthday uh, to you in Japanese, it's a great time to pull out your cell phone and just go and looking at something else because it's extremely uncomfortable in that moment. And you're just praying to God 
like your mother it's like your mother is telling us an uncomfortable story to other relatives about you or to a girlfriend or somebody you're bringing or a business partner in your life and you're just like shut the fuck up and that well that's japanese hibachi on a birthday to me so i uh not a fan of it i mean with everything that's going on from the russia invasion of ukraine the freedom convoy in canada and the uh, ever ever exploding gas prices in my state this is the one this is the thing that's upsetting me the most is fucking japanese hibachi and restaurant birthdays but I wanted to get that out there, so I figured that you guys know that um, don't ever do it. If you invite me out on my birthday uh, to a restaurant, I won't accept the invitation. I will flat out deny it, so please don't do it. Um, if you want to support this podcast, by the way, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. Also, if you wanted to uh, sign up for free stocks you can, or, or crypto, you can uh, sign up with my affiliate link on my website for the Weeble account. Uh, just go to the contact sa- uh, section at positivesarcasm.com slash donate uh, or just uh, positivesarcasm.com. Click on the contact section. There's a bunch of affiliate links in the bottom left-hand side for the Cash app, for the Weeble app, for Coinbase, and maybe one other. It's also where you can donate. And then it's also where you can send me questions, concerns, or comments. You can just fill out the form right there and just send it in to me and I'll get back to you. Unless I don't like you, then in that case, I probably won't. Or I'll say something really nasty to you. Um, or you can just email me directly, positive sarcasm at outlook.com with, a, with a, uh, a subject on it, and I'll reply back to you. Or I'll just call you directly if you leave your phone number. The And I check the junk mail. I always check the junk mail, you know, because that's, that's how good I am. Um, I needed coffee for, like I said, my phone hasn't stopped blowing up from my associate producer regarding the situation this week. And I didn't really know how to approach this. There's no plan for this, but I, there's not enough coffee in the world for me to understand or to be really, you can't amp up for something like this. It's a privilege to be sitting here talking to you and not hearing bombs go off outside of my place. I have my own problems. I'll get that. I have, I have some things I have to figure out in a very short period of time in order to better my situation. But there are people across the globe right now that have no time to figure out their situation, only to just get out alive. Now, my initial thoughts are, or were, if Russia were to invade Ukraine, which they are, should we get involved? Is my answer still no? Militarily, yes. I... And it's, it's a shitty situation. We get involved, in my opinion, based on what I've researched and what I understand. And quote me if I'm wrong. Understand me if I'm wrong. But I am trying to, like everybody else, digest, the, digest as much uh, understandable and usable information so that I can make a judgment call on my values of what to do. Now, when it comes to hey, we need to uh, liberate the people of this country so that we can go back to, so we can continue, uh, you know, oppressing our people in our own country. That's what I feel like is going on right now in Canada, in the United States, and some of these other countries. It's like we spend all these time, you know, uh, pressing people with vaccine passports and IDs and mandates and other stuff. But, you know, as soon as this thing takes off, it's like, oh, we got to all of a sudden be heroes. I don't know if it works like that. Now, do I think, like I said, do I think we should be involved in the Ukraine militarily? Sadly, no. I don't think we do. I think there's more at play here. Now, I don't know how long it can last. I think we should give the people of Ukraine more credit. As I've stated before, this is this invading this invading nation is the same invading nation that couldn't take control of Afghanistan in the in the 80s. They failed. We tried it. We failed for many different reasons, but they couldn't do it. What makes them think they can take uh make them 
what makes them think they can take Ukraine? Or at least what makes them think that they can maintain control of the territory? Everybody's after them right now, sanction-wise. They're pissing a lot of people off. But the thing is, is damned if you do, is it damned if you do, damned if you don't? When you think, about, when you truly think about it, if we get involved, is there a possibility of this going from a a uh, um, a small invasion? This is technically a small time invasion. A couple hundred thousand troops is not a big is not necessarily a big deal because there's been no heavy bombers, no heavy bombers. It's all been uh, air-to-air aircraft, helicopters, tanks, and infantry. There's been no heavy bombers in the air as of yet. As of recording this, there hasn't. If there is, then it's a full-scale invasion. Kiev gets burned to the ground. Or Kiev, excuse me. But if we get involved, the idea of nuclear war, that's game over. That means everything's up for grabs. Every missile gets launched at that point. I don't know if they'd be negotiating after that. And I'm not choosing my words carefully. I'm just I'm trying to think about this scenario. If we don't invade, Russia can most likely overthrow Ukraine. Would they stop at the at the border of Poland? Would they stop at the border of these other countries? Would they stop? Uh, would they invade Finland? Well, if they stopped after they took over Ukraine, things would eventually settle down. They'd reestablish their territory and go from there. I guess best, excuse me, best case scenario. That's the best case scenario. We would sanction the shit out of them. They wouldn't care. They have $100, $200 billion worth of gold. They have allies, oddly enough. And then that would be it. Now, because it is Russia, we do have to take them seriously. That's the thing. They're big. They're strong. They're stubborn. The other scenario. Let's say they do invade, as they have. These sanctions that are coming down. Sanctions. Uh, restrictions of airspace, cutting off of their supply routes, um, basically isolating them. Okay. What if they did decide to cross the border into Poland or into Finland and then NATO gets involved? Let's just say NATO does get involved and there's a military counterattack or counterdefense from a country that isn't named Ukraine. That means everything's on the table at that point. And if it was, look, straight up, if Russia decided to use ballistic weaponry, there's no doubt in my mind that other countries, and quite possibly including the United States, would also consider using ballistic weaponry. And the jig is up. The game is over. The game is over at that point. All, all cities would be on full alert. All cities would be primary targets. And the amount of uh, damage on all scales would be catastrophic. I, ca I can't imagine it, but I could understand. I could see how it could barrel out of control. This situation has barreled out of control. I don't know how much worse it can get. I'm, I, I don't. I don't understand how much worse it can get. Where everybody's playing, uh, everybody's analyst analyzing this right now. Like they're on ESPN predicting the outcome of a football game, and this is startling. It's startling to say the least, because now uh, social media is out is on full tilt. You're getting all kinds of information. Everybody's chiming in. Everybody's posting videos, pictures. I mean, the video of the tank running over the car on purpose, the civilian car on purpose, 
That's a bit much. Everybody's like, he's going to be tried for war. Putin's going to be tried for war crimes. It's like, okay. You think he's coming to that court date? I doubt it. It's a, it's a, it's the, it's a, not the worst case scenario, but it's up there. As far as Chernobyl, what do you want me to tell you? That's like the word. That's it's that's bad. The area has been damaged. The foot there. You got tanks. You got other military rolling through there, rolling through an active nuclear, a former nuke, the worst nuclear disaster the world has ever seen. Any disruption of the area around it. I don't know what kind of dust they're kicking up. There was some reports or rumors of damage to uh, the project. The bit, basically the rooftop that the, that seals off the uh, damaged reactor. I, I mean, if it in, if that thing is indeed exposed again, then yeah, it's letting out all kinds of gamma rays. It's all it's letting out all kinds of radiation. I just don't know how much of that radiation is, um, still there. Like how much nuclear material has been removed since the uh since the late 1980s i mean remember the reactor core exploded all all that shit blew out of there it was upside down just exposed to the air has that been removed is it just still sitting there it takes i mean it takes thousands of years for that shit to decay for it to go away that was only like 40 something years ago. You know? Let's see. 1980s. 30. Yeah, about 30, 40 years. Yeah. It was like 1986, I believe it was. Um, so I don't I don't know what ramifications. If that if if they can damage it to the point where it, where it becomes a a brand new nuclear disaster, great. Cuz that was internationally funded. That scenario. That whole situation. That that Covering that was an international effort to do that. I wish there was answers. I wish there was. I wish we could go in there and save the day. What are we saving? What's the point? We freaking we we blew out of another war, leaving all kinds of people behind and all kinds of armament behind to go and get into another one. This dude is so erratic, so aggressive, so stubborn. He's a thug. But this dude's got power. He's got all kinds of power. You can't reason with this guy. Or at least at this moment in time, you can't reason with this guy. Um, now... Don't get me wrong. Ukraine is a corrupt country. They have segments of their population that have – it's been argued that they've been uh, oppressed. So – and I, there's a lot of political corruption that's attached to the United States as well. So would they be in a better position? Obviously not war. War is never good. Is it sometimes necessary? That's one thing. I've never, But it's never good. But would they be in a better position under Russian hands? I don't know. All I know is I don't think we can get involved without there being a massive, a massive uh, cost. One that we're not or the world is not prepared to pay. But we may be heading there anyways uh, because of the fact that a Japanese uh, ship was, uh, was hit in the Black Sea, that they're thugging with Finland and Finland ain't playing. And that China doesn't want to get involved. So what do we what do we do? What can we do? What position are we in to accomplish anything? We're not saving we're not saving anybody. We're not fixing anybody. We're not in any position. We can't even take care of ourselves. Okay, we can't. We're in such bad shape over here. 
are we in worse shape than other? No, we're probably we're in pretty good shape, but we're in bad shape at the same time. Like I can get up every morning like I usually do. I can still go grocery shopping. I can still fill up my car. I can still do things. And thank Christ, I've put myself in a position where uh, I have a future, a possible future ahead of me. But my God, there are a lot of people out there that aren't so lucky in this country. But I'm, we're still not even close to it being in that position of what's taking place over there. So, I don't know what else to say about it. I like I said, these these text these links are coming in left and right, um, cutting off the Russian supply chain for the gas. Uh, European Union freezing assets of Vladimir Putin and Lavrov. Australia Australia imposing further sanctions. Um, reports about the ship that was struck. The uh, about more information about the capital of Ukraine being under threat. Um, Russian citizens taken to the the streets because apparently they're not fans of the actual invasion itself. It's a fucking nightmare. It's an absolute fucking nightmare. And then there's reports of hackers taking down Kremlin. The Kremlin. It's it's too much. It's too much. You're going to have you're going to have to really really just wait this out in my opinion. You're going to have to wait this out as an American. You're going to have to just wait this out. And see and just understand if it does intensify. If understand this, if another country gets involved, the market will tank and this thing will expand. That's what you need to know. All you need to know is does another country insert forces? The minute that happens, everything changes. Just know that. And it can only be in it. All it takes is one country. Doesn't have to be us. All it takes is one. Poland. Japan. Finland, all it takes is one, and it's game on. Expect total. Expect totality. So that's what I wanted to say about Russia. Um, I want to try to get to some Q&A today, but I have a strong, a strong stance about what has taken place over the last month in Canada. I understand the Canadian people at least on the eastern side. I know Vancouver people get pretty fucking crazy when it comes to hockey. But Canadians seem to be peaceful. They seem to be uh, good with motorcycles, uh, from what I've seen from the riders. They're not the greatest drivers, uh, apparently. But I digress. They seem to be very patient, apologetic, friendly, good with grammar, bilingual, good workers, and apparently it takes a lot to piss them off. And yet, despite everything, them protesting... Now look, protesting always uh, causes unrest in a city. It always causes you know an intersection to be blocked. That's what protesting is. You can't say you're not allowed to protest. The right to assembly is the right to assembly. It's part of the Canadian Charter of Rights. It's the part of the U.S. Constitution. So the right to assembly... Is always going to block something. So my original thoughts was, okay, they're blockading the city. Uh, they can't do that. That's where the government was trying to argue. But it's like, well, they have the right to assembly. And in the, under the circumstances, this is something that affected the entire country. So it only makes sense for way more than what you'd call a fringe minority to blockade the city. And yet, despite all of that, being peaceful, very peaceful, not harming anybody, with the exception of the honking of the horns, but that's to get somebody's attention. That person who was trying, the intention they were trying to get, fled the city, claimed they had COVID. Now, his response is downright disgusting. I mean, fucking horrible prime minister. Uh, I mean, I hope they drag him out to the middle of the square. Now... Here's my big issue. It was very hard for me to watch the NYPD taking kids 
uh, out of restaurants and museums because they didn't have their paperwork for their vaccine mandates. That was extremely upsetting. That really hurt my thoughts about the NYPD. It did. As a whole, I was very upset by this. I was very upset by the fact that people were going into restaurants they needed to, they wanted to eat and weren't allowed to and were flat out arrested because they didn't have their passport. Even though there's hundreds of thousands of those passports going around New York City, which I don't know if they dropped those mandates yet or not. I know Boston has. Congratulations to Boston for doing that. Keep, keep it going. We'll get there. Um, but arresting people? That makes it tough for me to support you. It makes it tough for me to support the NYPD. I've reached out to cops regarding this matter because I wanted to know their take on it. Whether you're just you have no choice but to follow orders. But man, I know that the, a lot of the French police have actually switched sides and are now marching with the protesters. I have seen that. I know it takes a while, but they are civilians too. And their job is to protect the, these best interests of the citizens. And that's not beating them down with sticks. What I saw from, the, from the, uh, the Ottawa Police Department and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police was fucking disgusting, though. Absolutely disgusting. And I have absolutely, as a whole, no, res no respect for the Ottawa PD or the Royal Canadian Mounted Police. From what I saw. And I tried to see it from a different angle. But peacefully protesting. With they, the way they looked. They looked like the military. They looked more equipped than the National Guard. It was abhorrent. It was so Orwellian. The way, the way they went about this. How they treated their people. How they pointed the guns at them. How they all came with wooden batons. Beating them. Running them over with horses. Smashing out their windows. Threatening to euthanize their dogs or take away their children. And then with the emergency act. Freezing their bank accounts. Arresting some of them. These people, um, I, they could be tried for, for treasonous acts because of the emergency act. They weren't. And then, of course, the, blockade, the, uh, the blacking out of not allowing non-mainstream journalists... To video and photograph the situation. Threatening to arrest them as well. No risk. I have zero respect. As a son of a former NYPD riot cop. And former police lieutenant. Who also fought corruption within his own department. And within the county associated with that department. I can see it both from both angles. And I have no respect in this angle. There's there's no gray area in this environment. None. I can see I understand gray. It's a scary job. It's a thankless job. You're always on your you're always watching your six. You're always somebody's always looking to kill you. But this applies none of this applies to the scenario that took place in Canada. None of it. The Alberta police with the Alberta blockade, they eventually came to a conclusion, shook hands, called it a day. That was the end of that. I give Alberta the benefit of the doubt. But the Ottawa police and the Royal Canadian Mounted Police, for how they conducted themselves in the best interest of the people, that's one way of putting it. That's oppression. That's just, like I said, it's abhorrent. It's disgusting. If you are an Ottawa police officer, if you are a Royal Canadian Mounted Police officer, please tell me why I should have any respect for you. Please tell me which one of you actually stood with the protesters. Did any of you? Tell me the angle that the camera shot at that didn't show that. Because none of this was shot by mainstream journalism. This was all shot from cell phones and, and independent journalist cameras. This was, a, this was for the world to see. And what I saw was full 
full-blown oppression, full-blown Orwellian communism at the worst. There's another word I'm looking for, but I can't find it. But it is basically like taking all the rights away from the people. All for what? Based on what science? No longer, it's no longer a choice. You do what we tell you, or we take away all your freedoms. We take away your money, your ability to make a living. The people we rely on to deliver our foods, our products, vital stuff, especially in a time of major shortage in some places and skyrocketing prices. We need these people. They matter. And it's not, a ne it's not because it's a necessary evil. It's because these people work hard. They live on the road. And this is how we treat them? I'd say Canada, you're better than that, but apparently you're, at least from that angle, you're not. They peacefully, they peacefully, to the best of their ability, protested without violence. They didn't burn anything down, unlike Seattle or Portland or LA or San Francisco or New York. They didn't. They didn't do that. They stood there. They sang songs. They partied. They honked their horns. And they got arrested for it. And to think that you wear a uniform and you think because you're just following orders. That's your job? To look like military and beat the shit out of your own people? Okay. All right. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. I'd love to how you think that how love to hear how you thought that was either a good idea or following orders. Ordinary men follow orders. Ordinary men in World War II dragged a pregnant woman out into a field and shot her in the back of the head. That's what ordinary men do. Just following orders. Easy enough. If I do that, I'll get my pension. I'll get paid. All I have to do is smack this woman in the head with a fucking baton, and I'm going to get paid next week. And guess what? It's not just following orders. Some people are sick. Some cops actually like doing this. Or not just cops. People in general. People in general. Some people actually like it. They get a thrill out of getting in line with wooden bats and beating the fuck out of people. Because they can. Some of that's why they take the job. They would love nothing more than to run somebody over with a horse or stick a gun in their face to assert power, to make other people feel small. There are people who get enjoyment out of this. This gets their rocks off. And apparently in Canada, they wear uniforms. Good luck with that. But as a person with his own opinion trying his best to get the information as quickly and as efficiently as possible and trying to think it through, I got no respect for you. And that's will forever be uh, a hill that I think I'll die on unless somebody else gives me a new opinion on it, a new view on it. But I'm always with a person. I generally always side with the person when it comes to choice. And being and having your choices taken away from you or stuffed down your throat, man, it's hard to convince me of that. You know, it's hard to convince me of that. That power that the government took, I don't know if they're going to give it back. And I know there's another convoy making its way, making stops in the United States on its way to Washington, D.C., Good luck. Good luck. Because right now everybody's attention is on this whole Ukraine-Russia thing. So I don't know how much coverage you're going to get. So, I mean, I wish you luck. You got the rest of the world talking. You got the rest of the world doing things. Australia, Germany, France, Britain. A lot of, you know, a lot of people took to the streets. That's the only way this thing's going to turn. Is if the masses do something about it. You know, and I guess I'm only adding to it by talking about it. And I ain't scared to talk about it. I stood my ground. I have my beliefs. I have my 
stance on what I choose, what I choose what to put in my body. And I understand how people would feel a certain how they would feel differently. But rationality is just not a luxury we apparently have anymore. It's just do what you're told or freak out, fill the people of fill the people with fear so that they'll just listen to whatever you have to say or do whatever you tell them to do. That's your that's your fuel. That's your power. Fear. But I think people are checked out. I think people are tired of it. I think people see more people see through the bullshit now than ever. Because they have more access, oddly enough, even with all the censorship, they have more access to information than ever before in history. So they're able to form their opinion faster than ever. So, I mean, I am open for the best, but between all this and now a potential global war, god damn. God damn. Well, look. Why don't we do this? Why don't we just close up with some standard Q&A, make it a full podcast, and we'll get out of here. I don't know if this is going to be the last podcast I ever get to do, depending upon whether or not I wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden the light, the sky just lights up because somebody decided to drop a bomb on the Air Force base that's about 25 minutes away from me. I don't know. We'll see. I know I have a plan in place. And the first thing it's going to be is come back here, picking up my buddy, getting in the car, and disappearing into the woods. And then see you. See you when I see you. I'll try to report back. I'll let you know what's going on. But until then, we'll just move on to Q&A. If you want to support this podcast, of course, go to positivesarcasm.com slash donate. Any amount is appreciated. I have been messing with the sound and the sound levels and the uh, the uh, vibe of the podcast as far as uh, the themes I've been using, the video color, making it a little bit warmer, uh, using a different camera, just trying to give a different feel to the podcast, at least for the time being with what I have available to me. And... Uh, I mean, I've, I've had some ups and downs. Like last week, I had a technical issue because I had two sound systems running at the same time I had, or two mics running by accident, and it caused a little bit of an echo. Um, and then I did some testing yesterday, and then I did some testing tonight, and uh, I think I have it right. I hope I do. Um, I generally review all these podcasts before I put them up. So as far as quality assurance, I it's up to me. I decide. I have an associate producer for content only. Con- well, content and, and, and some other things, but... When it comes to editing and uh, producing and uploading, that's all me. That's how I keep my costs down. Anyway, so let's move on to some Q&A, I believe. And I did some setting. I did some fixing on the uh, OBS thing here. So let's just go ahead and get that rolling. Let's close that out. There we go. All right. Should I continue to chastise my – wait, is this the right one? Sorry. Would I be overreacting – would it be overreacting to leave my husband after discovering he was – already married when we wed making our marriage legally void i recently found out my husband was married when he married me i never knew he was married to anyone before me i never asked before i even asked before and he said no he was married in another state so i guess that's why it didn't show up when we got married but legally this makes our marriage null and void he told me he got married for military benefits and never even lived with the woman we've been married for seven years now it's a good time but it was all a lie I want to leave him, and am I overreacting? Uh, was it all a lie? No. I don't know if it was all a lie. The beginning was definitely a lie. Well, there's two things you have. There's one thing you have to do, for sure. First, yes, you do have to consult legal counsel to make sure that the wedding, this marriage is indeed legit. Okay? Or not. Just figure that out. Legally, you have to figure that out legally. Okay, that has major implica- uh, major implications here, or major factor. You know, there's a lot going on with that. You have to understand. You have to make sure that one way or another, you guys are either married or not. That's it. After that, you two discuss. Does he want the relationship? To work? You guys are remember. You have to remember, it wasn't all a lie. You guys were together for seven years. Seven years. 
if this was like a year ago, it's like he told you this, and then a year ago, a year later, you found out. Uh, okay, maybe you can wrap it up. But this is seven years of a marriage, and I, I'm looking at this it's like he was already married when we wed. Well, how long were you guys together before you got married? And why was he still? Why was he still married to this other person? Apparently, it was for military benefits. Maybe there was some complications, and maybe you are overreacting. Well, I think. Well, obviously, your your initial reaction is understandable because it shakes the very foundation of which the relationship was built upon. Now, you have to under, figure out legally: is this marriage legal? Is it? Is it a thing, or is it not? And then you have to discuss with your spouse, do they want this relationship to continue? Do they want it to work? And do they want to make this thing, do they want to make this thing right? If they do, you do what you can for better, for worse, because you pledged that. You pledged that, so fucking back it up. And if they plan on doing the same thing, you work through it. Because let's be, I'll be perfectly honest with you. This is not, even close to the worst possible scenario that you could have been faced with straight up so you need to see if this is worth continuing to pursue as far as a relationship goes and then doing what you need to do to solidify your end so that they can continue to trust that their efforts on fixing this will yield a stronger marriage and a trusting you because if you just plan on going to a lawyer and finding a way out, well, then they're not going to try. They're going to go into defensive protective mode and you're never going to get them back. And then the love dies and then you two never speak again. But if there's a chance to make it work, make it work. Let's move on to the next one. Should I stay in Ooh. This is a tough one. Should I stay in Ukraine to become a war reporter, even though I have no experience or training? I'm an American citizen living and working in Kiev, Ukraine. Oh, it's a fun place. The embassy just released a statement recommending that we evacuate the escalating situation with Russia, but I'm sure that the right decision for me. I'm, uh, in fact, I'm considering staying here and becoming an independent journalist to cover what happens. Should it actually become, should it actually come to a major armed conflict? Well, it has. My reason is pretty simple. I've served here in the Peace Corps before taking my current job, and I believe in democracy. The idea of leaving everyone behind, I know, the idea of leaving everyone I know here behind is racking me with guilt. Understandable. And I want to do something to support them. Okay? Frankly, if the U.S. deployed militarily, I'd have my hand up to be the first one back. Well, I don't think that'll happen. Of course, this might be a fool's errand. I have no military training. I don't know first aid. I don't even really have practice as a photographer slash videographer. Four years ago, neither did I. And the closest thing I've been a good journalist is a podcast on China that I produced with a close friend of mine from college. So it's basically for me, it's basically me, my, inter, my intermediate Russian and a nice GoPro. That's good enough. At the same time, I've also felt insecure about not having a career as a 31-year-old guy for a while. My options uh, stateside are not great, but I would find something eventually. I've always, the thing is, I've always been this person who cares about the wider world. Just trying to find the last drip of coffee here. Loves languages and isn't afraid of being in danger. Especially if it's for a purpose. Maybe this stuff in Ukraine is none of my business. Or maybe it's literally why God put me here. There's probably something saner that I could do from from a safety or something more effective that I can do, even if it's dangerous. But I don't have time, much time to figure it out. Should I stay and give it a shot? That's up to you. Being a war correspondent always has its risks. Can you do it? Yes. I'll tell you this though. If you ha decide to be there, to go there and be an independent journalist, and you have lots of footage, I would be more than happy to sit down with you. Do a podcast and do a video and do all the video work for you for free. I will do all of it per, uh, just for free. No no dime off. You give me the data. We'll sit down. 
We'll talk about your entire experience there, what you went through, the tensions there, and I will take all your footage and we'll put it together and we'll make something, we'll make a documentary about it from your angle. If you decide to leave, I don't blame you. If you decide to stay, I understand. It feels like it's your home and maybe you can make a difference by recording history. Recording history is very important. That's why we, I mean, we were able to record the atrocities of World War II, so we have a better understanding of what to avoid. We didn't get to record the atrocities due to lack of technology in the former Soviet Union during the times when um, the oppressions of the 1920s, of the, of the of, excuse me, of the 20th century, and all the way through Stalin and Lenin, where, like, you know, tens of millions of people starved to death or put in camps. But we don't have really footage of that. We don't have the footage of that because Russia didn't have that tech. They weren't recording it like the Germans did. So we don't really have anything to point our finger at other than, you know, a book by Alexander Schultzenitz. And so it's like, see that? It just isn't there. So we can't really equate it. We can't really understand it. We get it. But at the same time, if you can't see it, it's harder to interpret it. But if you decide to stay, I understand. And I would more than happy to work with you. All right, let's do one more. How can I convince my colleague not to send flowers to all the women in my office for Valentine's Day? I have a question about Valentine's Day at work. I have a colleague, Martin, who works overseas in London. And he recently visited one of our U.S. locations and met several people in person for the first time. I work in a different office and have never met him in person. Martin messaged me on our work instant message asking about what I thought about his idea for Valentine's Day. He wanted to send all the flowers. He wanted to send flowers to all the women he met at the office. He visited. I didn't think it was a good idea. I think his, I didn't think his idea was a good one, mainly because I feel like there's a bit of sexist undertone to singling out women for gifts on a day associated with love and romance. Why isn't he sending the men flowers? Why does he feel like the women alone need some kind of representation or some kind of present on February 14th? He said his intentions are harmless and compared to sending someone a birthday gift, but I don't see that as related at all. I suggest sending chocolates to the entire office instead. But he seems pretty adamant that his flowers to the ladies is the way to go. What do you think? I think anything that you do in a corporate environment is a bad idea. A heavy corporate environment, and you're obviously sending flowers. First of all, I think it's I fucking think it's a great idea in terms of just being like a badass. But I would be prepared to possibly lose your job because you're in a corporate environment, and corporate environments fucking suck. So, that being said, if he wants to keep his job, no, it's not a good idea. It's not a good idea at all. So, I, I just don't. It isn't. He does that. Somebody's going to say something. Some guy's going to get jealous. Some beta male's going to get jealous because he doesn't. He just can't do it. He's going to say something to the HR, and it's going to turn into a shit show. Quite frankly, this is why you don't want to bother with corporate environments because this is all you get out of it. So I wouldn't even bother. I wouldn't even get involved. I wouldn't even get involved. Um, as far as sending flowers, maybe somebody will, maybe somebody will like it. But... There is a strong possibility it could backfire on him because somebody's going to say something. Because that's what people do nowadays. They like to say something because it thinks like they're doing somebody else a favor and they like to assert their power. So why would you want to work in an environment like that, first of all, with that constant threat of maybe you have a pretty face or a charming voice or a charming personality and you decide to give everybody flowers because – Whatever, fuck it, why not? I can do what I want. Not in a corporate environment, you can't. Mm -mm. Um, anyway, yeah, so just, I wouldn't do it. Me personally, because I hate corporate environments. Anyways, we're at uh, 56 minutes. I'm going to close up shop. Uh, I want to thank you guys for listening, watching, and subscribing to all my channels. Questions, concerns, comments, you can email me directly, positive sarcasm. and send that in um i check my uh spam folder so don't worry i won't lose your inf i won't lose your stuff if you send it um hit me up through my uh social medias facebook.com slash positive sarcasm facebook.com slash pos sarcasm for the actual creator page 
or uh, Instagram at positive underscore sarcasm or Gab AI uh, at positive sarcasm. I just post on these sites, guys. I, I don't really react. The only time I actually react to people's like comments is like on YouTube because I enjoy doing it. I'm, I'm not, you know, and TikTok. Uh, yeah. Next week, I'm pretty sure I'm going to close up shop on TikTok and uh, that'll be that. And you know what? It's not going to bother me any way, shape or form. So uh, I wish I want to send uh, all my best to the people of Canada who are doing what I think is right. Uh, I want to send my best uh, to the people of Ukraine, uh, the people protesting in Russia, because even if I don't, I think we shouldn't get involved. Believe me, I don't like the idea of somebody getting invaded. I feel bad for those people. The actual people of Ukraine have done nothing to nobody. So they shouldn't have to go through this. So, good luck. That's all I can say. Anyways, find me anywhere uh, where podcasts are available. Anywhere. Anything that's audio related, you can find me on there. And, of course, this podcast is available on Facebook. It's available on YouTube. And it's available on Rumble. Look me up. Like, subscribe, and share. And, of course, donate. Thank you for listening, watching, and subscribing. And I'll talk to you all, if the world doesn't blow up, next week. Recorded here from the Sandbox. This has been a Positive Sarcasm 